0: You, Choir. you know, this is one of those days when normally I'm just excited and ready to get into the pulpit and almost run up the stairs. This morning, it's a little different because I have to be honest, I enter the pulpit this morning with much fear and trepidation. Because the text before us is a very difficult text, to say the least. It's a text that has caused great concern among many Christians. It's a text that I can promise you that I have wrestled with all this week. In fact, I'm convinced that Satan doesn't want me to preach this text. I happen to have gotten a code in the middle of the week, which laid me up. But I want you to know this morning, my heart, that as I deliver this message and as I preach from this text, I do so because I am also excited. I am also joyful in the fact that in this text, we find the truth of God's word and the explanation for why we gather here in this place for worship this morning and why we can call ourselves sons and daughters of the living God if you haven't already open your bible to first to ephesians chapter 1 Well, we're looking this morning at verses 4 through 6. And I want to talk to you this morning about the doctrine of election. I've entitled the message, Selected by the Father. I ask the question, who doesn't like to be chosen? You remember when you were a kid? And you were playing kickball in the neighborhood or a pickup game of basketball or football, there were usually two captains. And those two captains would select from the group of kids that had gathered around in the neighborhood who wanted to play, and they would be selecting those who would be on their team. And while they're standing there, the kids whom they're going to be selecting from would be screaming, choose me, choose me. Remember that? It was exciting when you were chosen first or maybe second. It wasn't too exciting if you were chosen last or maybe not at all because there were only five players on a basketball team. And I have good news for you this morning. In the most important choice ever made for you, God chose you. He selected you to be on his team, to be in his family. This is commonly referred to as the doctrine of election. It's a wonderful Bible doctrine that has often been misunderstood and has caused a great deal of confusion. If you've got your Bible open there, you see where in this section of verses, verses 3 through 14, the Apostle Paul reminds his readers and us, that we should praise God for the spiritual blessings we have received. He said in verse 3, which we looked at last Sunday, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He then goes on into an explanation of these spiritual blessings in verses 4 through 14. Now, Paul explains here, how each member of the Godhead plays a part in salvation. We are selected by the Father, saved by the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Each aspect of salvation calls us to praise His glorious grace. Look at verse 6, verse 11, and verse 14. After each one of these explanations of the work of The individual member of the Godhead of the Trinity, Paul calls us to praise the Lord. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at each member of the Trinity and see the part that they play in salvation. This morning, we begin with God the Father. And according to the Bible, according to these verses, here in Ephesians chapter 1, we find it was the Father who chose us who selected us. Now, Paul could never get over this truth. And can I just say, neither should we. When you fully grasp and accept the truth that it was God who chose us, friend, that will humble you. It will cause you, like the Apostle Paul, to break forth in praise and adoration here's what I want you to take away from the message this morning when one understands that God's salvation is truly all of grace he will humbly express his praise and adoration so let's look there are two points I want to make as it relates to God's part in salvation First of all, let's look at God's plan of election. Paul says in the first part of verse 4, look at it again. He chose us in Him, meaning Christ, before the foundation of the world. And then in the latter part of verse 5, he says, In love He predestined us according to the purpose of His will. Now, if you skip down to verse 11, Paul summarizes his point. He says, in him, again, Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, from these two statements, or from these statements, we see God's choosing from three angles. First of all, his choosing was in Christ. Look at it again. Paul's careful to tell us not just that God has chosen us, but that he has chosen us in Christ. In other words, God has separated us out of the world of mankind to be the inheritors of his glorious blessings. And it is all in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, there's no better exposition of what Paul means here than what is found in John chapter 17, our Lord's high priestly prayer. There we find Jesus praying, Father, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. I'm praying for them. And then he says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. Friend, God the Father chose us unto himself a people out of the world of mankind, and he presented those that he chose to his son the lord jesus christ in order that the son might redeem us as paul says in acts chapter 4 verse 12 and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men among men by which we must be saved and in first timothy chapter 2 verse 5 for there is one god and there is one mediator between god and men the man Christ Jesus. Friend, we were not chosen for anything in us. God accepts us simply because he chose us and he chose to put us in union with the Lord Jesus. So we see that God chose us in Christ. Apart from Jesus, there is no salvation. Secondly, we see that his choosing was before creation. Look in Verse 4, the first part of the verse, he says he chose us before the foundation of the world. Now, before the world was created, God said, you're going to be one of my children. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Before time ever began, before the world was ever created, God the Father said, you're going to be my child. Because in God's plan, Christ was crucified for us before the foundation of the world and we were designated for salvation by that same plan at the same time and it was then that our inheritance in God's kingdom was determined. I, I just want to ask you, isn't that great news to know? That you were chosen by God the Father before the world even began? Listen, friend, that means that you and I did not initiate our salvation. God initiated it long before you and I were even, even existed. It was not our idea. We didn't wake up one day and decide that we would seek God. It was God's idea all along. God had already sought us first. Our seeking was in response to his choosing us way back before time ever began. Salvation is not on the basis of anything we've done. It is God's doing. It is holy of grace. Now think about this. If God chose you before time ever began, when only He existed, will He not be with you as He has promised through all time and all circumstances? If He knew of you, Before you were ever born, way back in eternity past, do you think that he will forget you for a moment now? No. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about what you're going through. He will not leave you or forsake you. He will be with us forever. Amen? Now, Third, his choosing is not only in Christ, it's not only before creation, but his choosing was his call alone. Look in verse 5. Paul tells us, in love he predestined us, look at this, according to the purpose of his will. Friend, God's choosing us was his call made in accordance with the counsel of his own will. It had nothing to do with any outside influence. We read in the Old Testament that Israel was God's elect, his chosen one. But Israel was told in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, It was not because you were more in number than other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you that the Lord has redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh. God chose the Jews simply out of his sovereign love. And that is why he has chosen you and me as well. Now, does God's choosing negate faith? No. God's election and human response are both taught in the Bible. Both are inseparable parts of salvation. Though exactly how they operate together, only the infinite mind of God understands. And I'm not here to try to figure out the infinite mind of God. I just simply take his word as it is. Many have tried to understand this mystery of divine sovereignty and human responsibility. But friend, can I just say, it will never be solved in this life. And all I can say is, is, as Dr. Boyd Hunt said to me and my classmates in seminary one day, guys, whatever we don't know, and whatever we can't understand, this side of heaven, when we get to that great theology course in the sky, the great theologian will lay it out for us. All I can do is accept it by faith today. Friend, let's look at both sides of this mystery, both parts of this mystery. First of all, that salvation begins with God. Now, all Christians will agree with that. After all, Jesus himself said in John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. In another place, he said in John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans in chapter 3 verses 10 and 11, none is righteous, no not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God. As hard as it is for us to understand and accept, the fact is we are chosen by God the Father. You cannot come to the Lord Jesus Christ unless you are first drawn by the Father. Then you look at the part human will plays in this mystery. Jesus said in John 6, verse 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And in Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The implication from those verses is that we have to make a choice. We have to make a decision. Now think of it. You cannot become a Christian until you choose to come. Yet it is equally true that you cannot become a Christian unless God has first chosen you. Both facts are true. God chooses, man responds. Friend, we are not afterthoughts in God's plan. There are no second-class citizens in the body of Christ. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're a member of the body of Christ, we are all chosen by the Father to become members of His family. Here's the question. What will you do? How will you respond to the call of God on your life? Will you come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith? He's called. How will you respond? Will you acknowledge the call that he's placed on your life and in faith surrender to that call? When we see how important we are to God, when the truth of salvation by grace sinks in, (laughs) like the Apostle Paul, we too will break out in spontaneous praise and adoration. And can I just say to you, that will humble you like nothing else on this earth when you fully grasp What this means had nothing to do with who we are. But all because of God's grace, his favor. He simply reached out and chose you and said, I want you to be my child. I want to adopt you into my family. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. All you must do is respond in faith well look in the second place at God's purpose what's the purpose for God electing God chose us for a purpose look what Paul says he says that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ And then if you skip down to verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, here we see a threefold purpose of election. The first purpose is our sanctification. Now, predestination simply means God takes you from where you are and changes you into what you can become. And what is it that God wants us to become? Look what Paul says holy and blameless before him. That word holy means separate from the world. It means to be different. Blameless means without spot or blemish. Now, while we cannot be sinless or perfect in this life, God's choosing us demands moral excellence on our part. The offering of our bodies, as Paul puts it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's why the primary proof and support of one's election, and the, the fact that God has chosen one to salvation is Christ-likeness, a holy and blameless life. In other words, God wants us to become like his son the Lord Jesus Christ Paul says turn over if you will to Romans chapter 8 now we all know Romans chapter 8 verse 28 for all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose we know that verse by heart most of the people in this room but I would dare say most people do not know the very next verse Romans 8 verse 29 well look what Paul says for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, how? To the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Here's the point, <clears throat> friend. God has predetermined that he wants us, his children, To conform to the likeness of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is holy and blameless. That is his plan for us. That we be like Christ. Heard a funny story about an old West Texas rancher who had grown up on a ranch. All of his life, he had never ventured out much past the ranch. And years later, after he had grown t- into adulthood and got married, he was in the city of Odessa, out in West Texas. On one occasion, man had never been to a big to a city um, uh, like Odessa. Um, Odessa at that time had built its first five-story building. That man had never seen a five-story building, nor an elevator that they put in there to help you to go up and down in that building. Well, he's standing there in the lobby with his son, and he's looking around, eyeing the how, you know, beautiful this building is and he notices this little elderly lady with a cane walk into the elevator the doors open and she walks in well after she walks in the door shut and the lights above start blinking a few minutes later the doors open and this gorgeous woman walks out And the man's eyes get as big as saucers. He looks down at his little boy and he says, Son, go get your mama. We're going to run her through this thing a couple of times. (laughs) Now that's a humorous story. But can I tell you, that's what God did for you and me. God sent his elevator down from heaven known as the Lord Jesus Christ. And here you are, standing in the lobby of this world, Door opens, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock anyone who opens the door, I will come in and sup with him. When you open that door and you walk into the Lord Jesus Christ, you walked in as an unrepentant, vile, dirty, evil sinner lost before a holy God. And when you walk into him, God looks at you now as a righteous, beloved son or daughter of God. Paul says, why are we elected? Why did God choose us? Because he wants us conformed to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is holy and blameless. That's the first purpose of God's election. Look at the second. It's not only for sanctification, but it's for our sonship as well. He says, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. You see, we're not merely forgiven. We have been adopted into God's family. Adoption means leaving one family and joining another, leaving behind all that was involved in the first family and assuming the name, the identity, the resources and history of another. Listen, originally we were born into the family of Adam. At conversion, we left that family and joined a new family, the family of God. We are no longer a child of Satan. We are now a child of the Heavenly Father. That is our new identity. You ever known an orphan? Someone who did not have a place, a family, a home of their own? They were destined to a childhood without loving parents to care for them, to love them. How many of us have been on mission trips overseas and been to countries like Haiti or Ukraine or India and been taken into an orphanage and seen these kids who seemed were unloved and uncared for, who had special needs and uh, our hearts broke as we looked at them and their condition. Some like Tom and Ginger Poe, Matt and Katie Long have been so moved by the need of those orphans that they took the time and the effort to raise the necessary funds, packed a suitcase and flew to one of those countries seeking to adopt an orphan child. And what kind of child did they adopt? One that was not in their circle of influence. A child who could not care for herself. A child who had special needs. A child who did not speak their language. A child who was drained of love. A child who had no hope at all. And yet these couples wanted to make a difference. And you know what the only thing that drove them to do that? A heart filled with love. Love. It's the same way with our Heavenly Father. God saw your desperate condition. God saw the special need in your life. And when no one else cared, when no one else made the effort, God the Father in love reached down and said, I love you. I want you. I want you to be my son, my daughter. The purpose of election is our adoption into the family of God. And once we become a member of his family, to become like our Brother, who is also our Savior, the Lord Jesus himself, who is holy and blameless. And then thirdly, the purpose of our election is the glory of God. Look in verse 6. One of election's purposes is, is, is as Paul says here, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in his beloved. Friend, the proper response to God's choosing us is um, <clears throat> adoration and praise does that truth fill us with a sense of wonder does it fill us with a sense of praise And listen when we gather here on Sunday mornings we ought to be the most excited the most joyful the most worshipful people on the planet and we ought to do it in humility and in gratitude For what God has done for us. Is this your view of salvation? Are you giving all the glory to God? Or. Like so many. Are you reserving a little of the glory for yourself? Now what do I mean by that? Are you saying. That it was your faith. That saves you. If so, can I just say to you this morning, you are robbing God of his glory. Your faith did not save you. Your faith, my faith, is simply the response to God's grace which saved us. It wasn't your faith. If it was your faith, faith would then become a works. And salvation would be based on works, not grace. It's all of God. We just simply accept it by faith. It is only by God's grace that we have become acceptable to him in his beloved one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Ray Steadman tells the story of an old Navajo Indian who became rich when oil was found on his property. The man took all his money put it in a nearby bank. His banker became familiar with the routine of that old Indian. For every once in a while he would come wandering into the bank, tell the banker he would want to see his money. He would say, before he went back to the vault, he would say to the banker on each occasion, grass all gone, sheep all sick, water holes all dry. Banker would just look at him, take him back to the vault. He'd open up the vault, they'd walk in, and he'd pull out bags, of silver dollars he would lay them on a table said to the old Indian all this is yours then he would walk out the old Indian would stand there at that table he'd pour those silver dollars out of those bags and for an hour or more he would sit there and count every one of those silver dollars He'd put them back in the bags. He'd walk back out of the vault. He'd look at the banker, and now with a smile on his face, he would say, grass, all green, sheep, all healthy, water holes, all full. And the banker would just smile at him as he walked on out of the bank. Isn't it amazing the change? that comes over us when we simply review our resources, our blessings. Some of you are here this morning discouraged. Life's not going exactly the way you dreamed. Things are going on in your personal life. Stress at work. Maybe you've got financial issues. Strain your Marriage, whatever it may be. Sometimes it's good just to stop and count the many blessings that God has bestowed upon us. And, friend, I can promise you one thing if we truly do that on a regular basis, it will change our whole perspective on our circumstances, because we will realize afresh and anew, we are the children of the living God, not because of anything we've done ourselves, but because of His glorious grace and His love. My prayer is that you understand today you are special in God's eyes. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you.